fear. It's the destiny of a Jedi. Your destiny. Welcome to a very special, very early edition of Film Fight Club. A very special, special of Film Fight Club. A very Star Wars and holiday, a very Star Wars holiday special. That's Good a- morning, <laughs> Sydney. <laughs> yes, this if, if this is just Star Film Wars, Fight Club. Star Wars, the original is a Vietnam War analogy, so that was a very well placed reference. Some might say, <laughs> combined <laughs> with World War Two, combined with a bunch of other things. Yeah, this was not. This, As this someone one, who this one was not no. does not <laughs> care about the franchise as much, and thank you. Chris for acknowledging that I made a very clever reference to it. In case you're wondering what the hell's going on now, this is Glenn Falcon, Simon Falcon Screen, Chris, City filmmaker Chris Evans, and freelance writing critic Farhat Nehru. We will be with you till 4 a.m. We have literally just walked off the midnight screening of Star Wars with the crowd you kind of want to see Star Wars with, and we're going to be giving you the nerds. Yeah, it was scary. I've never seen that kind of fandom in real life before, and I was actually terrified. I was very impressed with some of them. It was just a bunch of people dressed very well. Yeah, yeah, but I'd never seen people come out and dress for a movie screening. It's just a movie hmm. in the end. Uh, Force Awakens, they came out. Not Last Jedi so much. You've got to do a midnight screening once just to see it. Okay, yeah. Well, I did it. Mm-hmm. And we survived. And we've done it. So we're giving you our unfiltered, spoiler-free discussions about the rise of Skywalker. Now, we haven't looked at the internet. We don't know what anyone said. We don't know what the general reaction is. And we famously often get out of step with what the masses think. Because, you know, as I said in the episode we aired earlier tonight, I came out thinking everyone would love The Last Jedi. How wrong was I? Yeah, so... Because we're edgy and an alternative. (laughs) Now, we will be talking about spoilers in the new year, once everyone's had a chance to see it. This is a spoiler-free discussion. It'll be up on the podcast later, along with some other coverage we're doing on Boxing Day Surrounds Films. So we're going to talk about The Rise of Skywalker. We're not going to talk about the plot of the film beyond the first five minutes, i.e. the first scene and the crawl. Yeah, we'll spoil that much, but there's stuff relating to plot materials that have already been revealed in the marketing um, but in case you've been avoiding that, we think that the setup of a movie is fair game. Yeah, well, our, our general rule is first, nothing happens in the first 10 or 15 minutes as a spoiler. We're limiting it here to the first five minutes. In the first, so the basic setup of this film, uh, it takes place a little bit after The Last Jedi. We are told that there's been a broadcast from the Emperor, Emperor Palpatine, which has gone out across the galaxy. Everyone is searching for them. And we see in the opening scene that Palpatine somehow is about. He's back. He's back. And he has a pretty impressive uh, collection of toys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which he may use to wreak havoc on, well, everyone. The galaxy, and all, he's, he's just been slowly accumulating this over God since what, Return of the Jedi? Yeah, Snoke was his creation, we're told. He was actually behind it all. Yeah, he basically he says, I created Snoke, and he's been in the shadows. Everything that's been happening all along was actually the Emperor. Okay, when I heard about this in the trailers, my first re- reaction was, This is stupid. But I was hoping that there would be a good explanation for it. They cop out on that hard. It isn't. There's no explanation for how they literally say doing this. Yeah, they literally say the Emperor is somehow back. That's the explanation. That somehow the Emperor is back. How did they think this was acceptable? 
It's such a stretch to bring back the guy who died so spectacularly and created like a force explosion at the core of a space station that all exploded. He fell down a large shaft, created an explosion, and then blew up again. But he's back. It feels like like such, as a lot of this film is, such an attempt at fan service and placating the people who were upset by The Last Jedi. I had mixed views and I've since come around to being more of a fan of it. But this is very, the whole film in many respects is very much designed to reach, to be generally acceptable to both sides of the Star Wars divide that was, I think, created or just brought about by The Last Jedi coming about. The problem of corporate filmmaking. You've got to please everyone and never take an interesting stance. Um, Disney's Star Wars, you know, like like yeah, Lucas's movies were really bad, but at least oh, he doubled. Phantom Menace had redeeming quality. He though. doubled down. He he went after what he won and took it at Star Wars in some weird directions. And you the know, world like, building was great. There's not a lot of world building here. Well, yeah, I'm going to get back to the Palpatine thing in just a moment, but some I'm not going to say that Lucas's prequels were good, but something that they had going for them is if you turned the music off. He really had some great imagination going on between him and his artists in sketching out, taking Star Wars in different directions. Like what J.J. Abrams keeps doing is like another Tatooine or like familiar, another Endor, familiar Star Wars environs. Yeah, Whereas do, like, do, oh, this was a loud do, do film. I think Brody that's the other thing you wrote on uh, George Lucas's series. Uh, it's very enlightening. So what were you saying? The Richard Brody piece on George Lucas's Star Wars. It's very enlightening. I'll it's give it a read. Good. But yeah, he he went with some really interesting designs for planets, and he was clearly trying to expand the universe and imagine new cool sci-fi ideas. There are moments in the very beginning of the film where we get a glimpse of what at that sort of scale, but, but it, it doesn't really, really eventuate throughout the movie. What were you saying about the... So, like, part of the problem with this film is everything is almost foreshadowed with really loud music. And yeah. I think what J.J. Abrams does, maybe that's his signature style, is, like, everything needs to be turned up to 11. The intensity so, of, like, mah, yeah. mah, mah. And that really annoyed me because I was trying to really hard to sleep. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I wanted yeah. to... Uh, so, the midnight screening with all that's been going on for Virat turned out to be too much for him. So, full disclosure, he slept for a good chunk of the film, but we spoke to him afterwards and I think he has the general impression. <laughs> yeah, because anyone who's seen The Force Awakens can get a pretty good idea of... And other J.J. Abrams can get an idea of his style of filmmaking. It follows And the, also, the plot's pretty simple. Yeah. The, you know, the mystery box style. We saw in The Force Awakens how there was a map, which only one person had to need the piece from it. And there is it's a not like dissimilar thread it's a story... running through this, which, if you unpack it even a little, doesn't make much sense no, at all. It's, a story it's about... just very loosely tying the film together. We've got to and... grab this MacGuffin that takes us to this planet for this action scene, where there'll be another MacGuffin that takes us to this place, tre- and we've got to rescue this guy and whatever. It's a treasure hunt, but in a film that is trying to be sincere yes. and trying to bring you along on this journey, which doesn't, which in a kids' movie where you don't really have to, have to think about that stuff, it works. But Star Wars has Star Wars, such a lore and inbuilt I mean, fandom George and Lucas, knowledge that you need that integrity in the storytelling, which is really absent here. George, I mean, the thing, the truth is, Star Wars at its best is a really good kids' movie. George Lucas has always maintained that Star Wars should be accessible to kids and overall is a kids' movie. Um, I think he's right. This, especially with this one, to me, this is not more complicated than like Harry Potter or something. Uh, the comparisons with Harry Potter are curious. We can get to those. We de- I would definitely midway through later. the movie. I was saying to someone else who was watching it, like, is it just me or is this just like Harry Potter more than Star Wars? It, it was feels like, like, yep. Um, it, it it had the what made the f- the elements of the Force Awakens and more of the Last Jedi interesting is that it toyed with the idea 
of it isn't simply black and white, light and dark. And while the Kylo Ren Ray arc, which we also see throughout this film, is my favorite part of it, my favorite part of this whole trilogy, separate to that, it had very black and white ideas of the dark side of the force, light side of the force. And that dichotomy was just, you saw it in the original series, it was fine, but we we want more nuance in storytelling today. And for the most part of the film, accepting the two main players arc was not there. We, as in us three in this room talking to you now, want more nuance in storytelling today, but do the general public. Avengers Endgame is smashed all records and it had the dumbest of course big the bad general villain. public will know I mean, you, you said earlier tonight ma- marriage story right. we're also with Adam Driver people are seeking out better you're storytelling right. You're they, right. they do want it but, but the question is you know especially with franchises like this which have such fandom behind them I think it's difficult to balance expectations around trying to do something different versus actually trying to please the fans I, mean, and I think yeah, this film people, really struggles with that people rebelled in a big way against um the Last Jedi, which, which was the most interesting me, film out of the. That's right. Of them. To me, yeah, absolutely, it, it's the best film by of, by far by out of all. Good three. margin. Okay, going back to what you were saying about like good and evil, just then. I was thinking as I watched this that like I want to see at least something of a medit. If you're going to present these big bad evil forces, I want to see just something of a meditation on those themes, like. You know, I'm not saying you know that they need to be super dark, shades of gray, complicated or something, but I'd I'd like to see some kind more of a hint at like what drives them beyond just like that they're evil and they want to do evil things and rule the galaxy to do evil. Like, do they want to rule the galaxy because of ego? Like Kylo Ren in Force Awakens at least gave sort of like the hint at that. That like this is all like an ego trip. Just something to kind of ground the idea of evil because it's rolling back on the great thing that J.J. Abrams did in Force Awakens, which is to try to make the dark side of the Force more relatable, you know, like... Yeah, Palp- there's, there's Palpatine. Yeah, Palpatine is like the dark elf. We have to be clear. I'm talking, I'm talking about Thor too, that terrible one. Um, with the first two films, Kylo Ren was the main villain, and yes, yeah. he has a key role. In such this, an interesting villain. But that role is taken up to a large extent by the presence of Palpatine, who is such an all-encompassing That's figure. Right. So you have simply good evil versus, as opposed to someone struggling with good and someone, oh, wait a minute, Kylo Ren. What side, well, we saw in The Last Jedi, yeah, what side, what is, side he is he actually on? Yeah, the, okay. Two, Which you get a bit of here, but it's overtaken by, you know, classic um, Voldemort. Yeah, two things about Palpatine. One, um, I, I think the reason, it's just so frustrating... I think the reason why he's in here is if you looked at The Last Jedi, sorry, I mean, if you look at uh, the, I'm sorry, it's 3 a.m., tired. If you look at The Force Awakens, Snoke was being set up as the big bad by J.J. Abrams, and he was just clearly a fan service echo of the Emperor. There's this, you know, guy behind it all who's introduced as a shadowy hologram, and he's going to become more important later. Ryan Johnson tried to move this series towards something new and just wrote that off. I think he correctly identified that Snoke was not interesting. It was too similar to what we'd seen before. Um, and and that the interesting thing that J.J. had set up was the Rey and Kylo dynamic. He, I think he tried to clear, you know, clear the table and say, let's just remove extraneous side plots so that the series can be focused in on that. And it feels like J.J. Abrams has spat the dummy because his plan of having the big Emperor Snoke at the end has been foiled. So let's just bring back the um, the original Emperor, and I don't even have a reason why. I don't have an explanation. I just want that to be in the movie, and you're going to take it because this is what I want. Okay, the, the Ray Kyle dynamics, right? we'll get more to that later. But on the Emperor, 
On the Emperor, yes. So I when, I when we talked about The Last Jedi a couple of years back, my major criticism then, it's less of a criticism now because it did take the series in interesting ways, is how Johnson consigned so many arcs in the original film to dramatic irrelevance. J.J. Abrams doubles down on that. But more problematic is that it's a reversion to what we've seen before. We feel like we're yeah. going backwards. Yeah. This is this is a big problem. The whole film, it feels like he just wants to ignore aspects of The Last Jedi and suddenly, oh, I had this idea. I yes. have to account for what was in The Last Jedi, but now I... Uh, but I want to tell my story, and it's not—it's not, it's not your, you tell your story anymore. Case in point, Palpatine. What you were saying before about how the Last Jedi—it um, brought out this idea of where Luke Skywalker says, "You know, I've been thinking. It's not just about good and evil. It's about balance, and that those ideas are maybe too simple and something we should try to move behind beyond. It's sort of—it's almost like a meta fourth wall breaking moment of him trying to make Star Wars more." morally and philosophically interesting without turning his back on the kind of like elemental good and evil thing but it's part of the process of deepening it i think it was an i actually think a lot of people say that last jedi was just turning its back on force awakens but i think in a way it was deepening the best things about force awakens getting back to the emperor right as you say that we had an interesting villain of kylo ren in in the first two films um because kylo ren is someone who you would actually potentially turn for right like because Adam Driver gets has shirtless scenes and gets to have sexual tension and stuff and also gets to show more shades of, of gray and, and some good sides of his personality shining through. It makes believable the idea that Ray might turn to the dark side. You know, it's the central... It's like the Luke Skywalker join me thing from um, the original series, but it's way more believable now than it's ever been before. That, like, the the previous two trilogies did a poor job of of, you know conveying that how that turn would actually work so now in the last movie we just have this really really evil big bad because he's evil lord voldemort dark wizard robed satan guy with pointy fingers and it's like there's no dramatic tension because i never he's not sexy like kylo ren i never believe that this guy could ever convince ray to turn to the dark side. It's 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 more that the drive is the best thing about this film, and every film he's in, mm. he's charismatic. I uh, and I can see him running the Knights of Ren. I yeah. can see someone saying, "Oh, wait a minute!" Being pulled over the scene in the throne room. Mm. There's a fair. Uh, he, he makes a not a, what I think is a fair argument, but at least a compelling argument. Someone in that cir- who in that circumstance would be compelled to listen to it. Um, on the matter of the thematic um, switch within the series. What I agree that Last Jedi deepened elements of The Force Awakens, and one thing that Last Jedi doubled down on, which was more hinted at The Force Awakens, is the idea that anyone is special. It's yeah. not about lineage, the idea that there are Force-sensitive people, there are people out there who can engage with the Force and who can, regardless of where they quote-unquote come from, can ha- make a difference. And certainly the original trilogy, Episodes 4, 5, and 6, dealt with this to a great extent. This film... Uh, moves away from this theme. No, it's not. It's not necessarily reversion. It's, it just looks to other thematic arcs, and that was an. And, it, and when the, the film had that, the the redeeming parts of Canto Bite with the young children and um, the the character played by um, Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah. Um, and the, but, this this doesn't pursue that. It just leaves it by the wayside. Focusing so strongly on lineage makes this universe feel really small. Um, it takes away from some of the the magic and the relatability that's 
could possibly be in Star Wars if people had the room to dream bigger. And the the issue at the end of the day, like the the biggest problem with this movie for me, is that it like really really good versus really really evil is just not that interesting. Like there's no they beyond the action has to be really well executed for um that something as simple as that to register. And the action isn't great. No, the, the, the action is so crowded in the frame. What did you think of the action? No, no, actually, I, I think in terms of the set pieces and visual design, I think this actually does offer something really fresh and interesting. I okay, I agree. I think that it is well designed. But I think that's because of the comparative lack of creativity in setting up those pieces that when the pieces do come, you're like, oh, there's something interesting happening here. Here's the here. bit he focused on. You know, so it's it's interesting because usually our critique is like the action is boring in a lot of these films, but here the action itself and the scenes and how they're executed are very well staged, very well directed, well, and actually there's a lot going on in terms of the psychology within those action sequences which is more than the actual setup. I think the setup is really bad, but when the action sequences come, they're more interesting than the setup. I think the more intimate ones um, had showed that kind of psychology and like backdrop and like once some, again, some... I woke up at the right moment yeah. in the action sequences. Yeah, there uh, must have been bad ones before. There were definitely early on. There's an action scene where where I just thought this is just noisy. Uh, like it's just too the action shot too close, too quick editing. Um, and it just sort of didn't register that well. And it, like comparable to some action in Return of the Jedi, which I think J.J. Abrams is looking to for a template, except that that film in its slower pacing and, you know, um, wider shots was just more fun to watch. I didn't like the action in this film with the exception of the very first action sequence, which has evolved uh, and a chase extensively utilizing that's the one hyperdrive I, that's the where there is um, quite a, you, you see a lot of oh, different yes. scenarios and sequences okay. and that's quite entertaining I think this film more than any of the other Star Wars films has a less of a focus on practical effects in the action sequences certainly J.J. Abrams is someone who's well known for using VFX so it's not it's not a predictable um, there is one sequence involving sand which I, I quite which I quite enjoyed otherwise the sequences were very weren't especially creative compared to anything else we've seen in the Star Wars universe and were repetitive compared to what we've seen in action sequences over now several films, including up to and including returning to areas that we're familiar with and have seen and aren't new, as new or exciting. Were there any things in particular that we liked? Uh, well, we've talked about... I, I'll, I'll extend it to Daisy Ridley. I liked her in this film more... Me too. ...than the, the dynamic with her, between her... Kylo, she's definitely improved with each film. Yeah, so I guess she's shown that promise. Yeah, she's yeah. She, her performance here was actually pretty good. Yeah, I mean Star Wars involves a lot of intense emoting, yeah. and yeah. here she she did it the most convincingly. Yeah, this is the best performance to date. Yeah, um, I liked uh, I, I liked the main tri- three: uh, John Boyega and Oscar Isaac. They were good. They, yeah, they just don't have much no. to do. The problem with this movie, the problem there's a lot of problems with this movie, is that there's way too much going on. The Last Jedi is a film that where the, a big criticism of it, the main criticism of it probably, is that too much is going on and the subplot threads uh, um, take up too much time of the film and aren't well developed enough and the main plot thread, which is the most interesting, could be more developed. I agree. The Last Jedi was 150 minutes long. This one's 140 minutes long. This has so much more going on than The Last Jedi and it's mostly really underdeveloped and when you consider that most of the plot is a fetch quest yeah including the bit where we this is in the trailer 
um, we meet Lando returns, Billy D. Williams, and it's just, yeah. oh, you're suddenly here. He is. Yes, this is great. This, yeah. Good to see Again, you, Lando. This universe just feels small with the ways that they try to tie it all into a select few groups and people and families that have been established already. And that that's a pretty bad idea if Disney want this to be a series that just generates new installments and sustains itself into the future. Um, but, um, yeah, there's too much going on. Um yeah, there's a new. Uh, I'm sorry, I, the Peter Cushing character, um, the Moff Tarkin, Richard E. Grant. Yeah, there's a new Moff Tarkin too. There's a new no a bunch reason. of things because I guess they want to sell more toys. Yeah. And Richard E. Grant's good, but yeah. suddenly, oh, we we just want to stand in for Moff Tarkin, so he's there. Another thing that really frustrated me about this, it frustrated me about the Last Jedi too. They've never known what to do with um, General Hux, Donald Gleason's character. He was the best in the first. I film thought he was used well when here. He was but not most enough of him. Terrifying. In the second one, he was consigned to being thrown about rooms as a piece of comedy. Here um, again, it's like Matt Damon in the Ocean's Trilogy. He's a different character in each film they're frustrated they didn't know what to do with him I didn't like him in this movie we can't really talk about it too much without spoilers. we'll talk about it next year when we do a spoiler on the podcast but it didn't it just, it's to simply say it didn't make sense to me it didn't pan out we were talking about action before um, and I, I've been thinking uh, since watching this half an hour ago you know I've been thinking long and hard um, no uh, <laughs> big CG action scenes are almost always when I check out it's really hard to do them well. Um, like, the one redeeming feature uh, of James Cameron's Avatar is that the big CG action scene with a bunch of spaceships flying around, like Star Wars, like what this film tries to do and Star Wars films traditionally have, and uh, was really good. There was a big Star Wars-esque action scene at the end of that movie where um, we're cross-cutting between CG spaceships shooting each other, people running around on ships, throwing, dropping bombs and stuff. And I, I, There's a very similar scene at the end of this. And I was just thinking how it actually... People underestimate what it takes to really make those scenes interesting. It's not enough to just wow us with a big CGI budget and a bunch of things going on on screen anymore. You need to have the skills of an action director on a really high level. It's like a complex action scene requires complex staging, um, complex spatial geography, uh, and it needs to be made fluid and exciting. And I don't, I like most films that go down this path these days. I don't think this pulls it off. I don't think J.J. Abrams is a good enough director of action to make this kind of thing work. No, I didn't like the final action sequence um, for the reasons that has anyone every, every film. And a lot of the Marvel films, and certainly The Force Awakens with Starkiller base, feels it has to up the ante in terms of either the weaponry or what is at stake. Mm. Also, the presence of what we've seen in every film, uh, the gimmick that we, uh, the, you know, the sky beam type intensity, it's just unnecessary. Whereas in The Last Jedi, it was very clear what the stakes were. There was a set, there was a set number of of the resistance who could die if the retreat was not successful yep. um, go to the classic Dark Knight example it wasn't about the whole city or world being destroyed it was two ships full of people That's which right. is a lot of people but we the stakes are confined we know but this felt it just had to up the ante again and we don't need that especially when we have characters we are familiar with and we and care about to. yeah the, the intimate stuff as Virat said is like where more of the psycho- actual psychology is coming into play and it's relatable on a human level as, an, as a tangent, beyond Avatar, is there any film that has pulled off this kind of large-scale CGI battle at all? Well, it's always so I boring I didn't mind to me. the end of Infinity War. 
Yeah, okay, I'll grant that. Actually, I, I think it did it really well. And by contrast, the one in Endgame was terrible. And I would I would say for those fans of Star Trek Discovery, the end of season two, the final two episodes, handles it very well. I haven't seen that, so I can't comment. Okay, I just, it's, we, it's so common in our action movies these days, but it's just so usually boring. You know, it's a shame. Anyway. No, the small-scale action sequences... Um, I, I think, enjoyed more. I think people just underestimate how hard it is um, to do that, and they just go with it because it's the trend. I think it, I just think like I wish you'd thought th- this through. Maybe maybe it's just really hard to depict a battle on that scale, and people need to maybe ap- approach it in a more abstract way, focusing on little moments that matter instead of just th- vomiting, exploding things onto the screen. I mean, there was one other thing that sort of made it really difficult for me or to sit through or whatever, you know put me asleep essentially or made it a slog was even though like you said jj abraham has really confined this world to a few families and few people yeah but even those relationships felt really underdeveloped yeah but, you know at this point we're in the we're in the end game now or whatever <laughs> right of, of this trilogy yeah, we are. this, this is the, the third of the three major sagas yeah. we've included this year um the marvel series in a sense um star wars and game of thrones we've so, seen the Big three cultures so, at time include know, in twenty nineteen. Logically, like you know, you would you would think that you the emotional kind of connections between these main relationships that you're exploring would be at the strongest. Yes, and should but be actually very at this point, you know, if they feel like threadbare thin kind of threads, they which, do. And not even that; it just feels illogical. Some of the things that um, characters are saying and kind of feeling, I'm just like, why? Like this is so late in the game. Why mm. are you introducing and, and introducing new elements, yeah. which don't go anywhere, which is even worse. And Especially you, when you leave characters by the wayside who are relevant in the previous series. Um, one of the new great new characters, probably the best new character introduced in the Last Jedi, was Rose Tico, and I know she got She's a got huge backlash. Do. Spoilers. She's <laughs> a standard, standard. I don't think it's a spoiler. No, it's not. She's a standard. She she could her role could have been filled by any extra in this. It's, it's pathetic that she was not given an arc in this. It, it's really closely like, akin to the Last Jedi, and I know there were okay, to the extent that this is. J.J. Abrams saying, I don't want anything to do with what happened in The Last Jedi. That's terrible. But to, if, if to, to whatever extent, it is a way to placate those who are highly critical of her presence. And that's just awful. No, she uh, her character didn't deserve this. It could be something much more simple and much more petty than that, which is J.J. Abrams is going, I didn't create... An, an ego create, trip? Yeah, I, did, I didn't create this character. Yeah, it's Ryan Johnson's thing, so I'm not going to touch anything he did. I'm just going to feel like where I left off was false breaking the never never happened kind yeah of thing. she could have been a stooge she could have been a nameless character in this that's film. right yeah she's I was saying that she has about as much of a role really she appears in more scenes but about as much of a role as this um, recurring character in this trilogy who's like a she's an older lady with a really interesting face who always looks really sad that the rebels are losing and reports stuff those those who hounded the actress who played Rose on social media will probably be they'll not, probably not be thrilled with this, yeah. with this. but um just at the end of it, okay, I, I'm not spoiling the movie, but it's the end of this big saga, and it just, at the end of the day, comes down to the most simple idea of good versus evil. And it's been done at the end of The Return of the Jedi, you know, that like that the saga comes to an end, and it's just good versus evil, and it's simple, right? I wish that you can still do a great good versus evil story, Um but leave some kind of theme or some kind of moral resonating. It doesn't, this, beyond just resolving the story, this doesn't really, at the end of the day, feel like it was about anything. There's not really any sort of grand theme 
for you to think about in the way that it resolves. Would you agree with that? I well, I, I would agree with that. We, we were pursuing, again, as referred to earlier, the idea of everyone is special, which is a great theme for The Last Jedi. This is very much, this kind of feels like, actually, oh, I want to make the comparison. This kind of feels, yes, good, evil, black, white. Yeah. Here, here's the side you want to be on. Here's the side you don't want to be on. None of the nuance which is implied from The Last Jedi and The Force Awakens of Kylo's arc. None of the nuance which we saw with Darth Vader in Return mm. of the Jedi. There's, it's gone. Yeah, I, I think Kylo gets the biggest disservice because he's been set up as a very much more interesting character than he is in this film, which yeah. is also interesting because you know, uh, and the prospect of Adam Driver actually you know tapping into something which we didn't think was he's, there. He's still working yeah. on levels that no one else in this exactly. film is working on. It's just like his visual emotiveness is fantastic in this yeah. movie, especially and and then what happens with his arc is very disappointing. I agree. Look, it's it's just it's just such I, I a actually, shame. I actually, I'll disagree. We can't we can't talk about this without spoilers. I liked the arc, but I, no. Look, I I actually agree with you. I liked his arc too. I just feel like it still feels disappointing in the way that it's resolved, and and I guess how simple and how little there still is a lot of it in the movie i guess compared to everything else because nothing has much emphasis because this movie is so fast-paced but i still wish there was more of it in this movie i still wish there was more illustrating his psychology and his thought processes that said what is there is sometimes really good um there's a lot of fan service in this movie but the way that this movie when it tries to not just say hey remember this cool thing um, but tie in those things from the past into the new context and the new characters and new themes. It does it really well. Those the ni- there's some nice moments like that. One in particular that I is, agree. I thought was actually. I, th- I think we're thinking of the same. We thing. Are. The one moment of fan service is the, actually the best scene of the film, which I feel. One, yeah, it, it, it's actually like quite well executed and quite moving. And there are other points in the movie that I I felt were kind of moving. Which one are you referring to? Well, we, we'll we, 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 I won't we, spoil this. We, we, we're yeah. telepathically talking right That's now. That's right. We we, 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 we we're like part of Kylo the and Ray. Yeah, we, yeah. we're linked. Yeah. That that said, actually, oh yes, and when I said that point, matter, the the Last Jedi and Force Awakens, especially Last Jedi, brought up this thing of like them kind of telepathically communicating and crossing um divi- the divides in space and time. Yeah, this does that too. In some actually really cool ways, and it grants us new understandings of the Force. They're not overloaded entirely new like we saw with uh, Leia in The Last, Last Jedi. Jedi yeah. It just envelops a little further what we've come to know and it's great. It's one of my one of the only and one of my, probably my favourite innovation yeah. of this whole and film. And those moments seem to be like quite well directed. Interesting camera movement. And funny. Interesting camera. Wit- funny, yes. And witty kind of use of the camera to show like the crossing between space. I thought I thought like don't, yeah, don't get it, me it, wrong. It wasn't just cross cut reverse. Yeah. Non reverse. Don't yeah. get me wrong. There are some good things about this film. There are some nice moments showing how Rey cares for the, for people around her and the other creatures in the, in the universe. You know, like there are some good things in this film, but it's rare that there are these grace notes that kind of elevate it. I, you can clearly see that J.J. Abrams has some talent. There is a grandeur to this film that sometimes approaches a kind of beauty. But yeah, there's an epic. I mean, in the traditional sense that you see with some of the Kylo Ray specific moments, yeah. but otherwise not else. Like Endgame, it just kind of strives for this, oh, it's cataclysmic, therefore you must care about it. And I don't care At about end, that as yeah. much as 
the interpersonal relationships which we've seen develop over three and in some cases yeah. many more films. It was building to a point of grandeur and, and like true epic scale, I think, where if they stuck the landing, I would have forgiven a lot more about this film. But then it just falls into convention in the worst way at, in the last, final stretch. And, you know, this movie concludes with a big moment of fan service. And I felt nothing. Um, we need to talk about, so as has been widely discussed and publicized, Carrie Fisher is in this. It is her final film. A lot by necessity of her passing, a lot of her scenes were um, were uh, digitally rendered. I think it was, this was handled in like, very well and very respectfully. I quite like that. Um, I think w- so too. They, they, were, they were very smart with yeah. how they reused their existing footage of Leia. Very much so. Um, yeah. And there was a flashback sequence involving some of the main things of the Star Wars saga, which uh, wasn't so well handled. I think it was actually unnecessary. Mm. It was distracting because it wasn't nearly as well rendered as many of the other sequences. There were also um, two, we were speaking about in the broader sense, cameos. One was handled with a sense of grandeur and reverence. I really appreciated their Me appearance. Too. Yeah. Me too. Um, the other one, I think they're trying to do something akin to what we've seen with characters returning earlier in the saga. However, this particular performer, honestly, while they were going for a sense of, yes, again, we say it, grandeur, I don't think this performer really came across as caring that much, giving much of a damn, and therefore that sequence didn't land as well as I think J.J. Abrams hoped it would. I agree. It just seemed kind of like they, it was, Look, oh, I'm here. On, on the I'm sub- be a little irreverent about this. On the subject of, these, of, these, kind this. of these cameos, and also you know me sort of giving props before and saying that sometimes this film is moving, there's nothing as moving in this film as the Yoda coming back in The Last Jedi and talking about the burden of being a teacher and how fail- failure is the best teacher of all. Look, that just, just a simple, beautiful moment that spoke to the philosophy that Ryan Johnson was trying to concentrate on in the series. Virat, right before we recorded made the comment that this is just so philosophically boring in comparison. It's philosophically empty. It's void. In comparison, and that's I think part of the frustration of watching this film is the possibility of where this could have gone and where yeah. it ends up going. Yeah, you know, and there is such a disconnect into like you know what the Last Jedi set up. Yeah, and it left you in a very tantalizing place of like, oh, so Star Wars could actually go in so many new directions, and it doesn't really end up doing that, which is the frustration which I have. I guess not, but just with this film, you you're left with this sense of what could have been throughout the whole saga. You know, this kind of... Yeah. And, you know, kind of kind of in closing, do you guys see much of a future for Star Wars after this? Not, uh, not for the saga as such. I think if they're going to have to... If we're going to go in the direction of new Star Wars films, they're not gonna, people aren't going to want an episode 10. They're going to want to see Knights of the Old Republic. They're going to want to see classic Star Wars going back to the early days of the Jedi exploring this world. Completely different material. Even The Mandalorian is set in the context of the broader saga, as is Rogue One, as is Solo. We're going to have to move wholly away from this, I feel, if we're going to get fans renewed or consistently engaged. I feel like the damage might already be done from how closely this movie stuck to convention um, I feel like it's going to be very hard to get people interested in the series when it's ended on, I think, what most people will find to be an anticlimax. And as you say, like how many? it's spent a lot of films covering this original trilogy and original trilogy homaging 
timeline and ground. How many chances are people going to get? Even if they break out now and do something original and interesting, will the audience show up? It might need to build momentum over time. They need a break between, the, the, like, you can't have the solo Last Jedi type six months between movies. They're going to need some time. Absolutely. Um, yeah, as we'll see, you know. Um, just a couple of things to note about this film. But they've, they've got Kevin Feige producing one. Yes. We'll see. We'll see. Um, just a couple of small notes on some of the performers. Kerry Russell is in this. She's very good. Uh, people remember her collabor- earliest collaboration with J.J. Abrams in Felicity, a great show from the early 2000s. There's also a number of voice cameos if you stay through the credits, one of which I'm not sure what role they played, was Freddie Prince Jr. So he's in this. He's credited. He loves Star Wars. I guess it's just a tip of the hat for him. And, yeah, so that is... The Rise of Skywalker. We will, it is in cinemas now, everywhere, for quite a while. And you should guess uh, who the actors would have been under the Stormtrooper hats, because often they are the people yeah, Daniel who are famous. Craig was one. Uh, yeah, yeah, I bet there's a bunch of weird cameos so, yeah, in this. I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure there's going to be, like, we're going to yeah. find revelations. Really? I, I had a rumor that Prince Harry was in one of these. I could totally see that. <laughs> I, I think it's just, like, who was near Pinewood Studios? Oh, actually, Everyone wants to visit a Star Wars set. You know? Actually, there's something I have to give this film credit for. Uh, we, uh, we were speculating about this off-air. I'm glad to see that um, we weren't wrong about this. In the first film, they hinted at, with the John Boyega character, the first unmasked stormtrooper, that people were disenfranchised and taken away um, from their homes. Certainly casting a person of color in this role um, lends the credence to the idea that he is emphasizing that person's of a minority background of disenfranchised in this universe. Um, they hint certainly in this film about disenfranchising more populations around the galaxy. Um, the Last Jedi doesn't touch on this, but this film does. It it it, it develops on this and furthers this idea um, subtly and to some extent. And I appreciated this aspect of world building, which J.J. Abrams did bring back into this trilogy, which Ryan Johnson, let's take his criticism, he neglected. He just didn't cover it in The Last Jedi. By the well, way, there's not much world building happening, so I'm glad that the little bit that happened actually kind of worked <laughs> by the way guys uh you know we haven't read the reviews but as we're running it out they're coming in it's uh very very mixed 58 percent on rotten tomatoes this movie is going to i think disappoint at the box office i was just funny watching it coming out of the cinema like half people were saying i really liked it half they were saying no didn't like it it wasn't vehemently either way but just people kind of hovering i think it's going to be extremely mixed I, I think, think it's so going to too, be very. I think with yeah. just the general more mixed than divisive. I think with the general disappointment in Star Wars at the moment that, um, and the general feeling of burnout that people are going to be harsher on this than they might have otherwise been. I think people pass a lot of crappy blockbusters, but Knives will be out for this one. Knives out, by the way, Ryan Johnson. <laughs> yeah, respect. Uh, yeah. yeah, but actually, look, <laughs> and, and, and that's what to see episode nine. And yeah. I think that's the point we're trying to make eventually is the fact that I think at least being bold. And going for a divisive movie, at least gets a reaction out of you. At least you know where you stand. Where this movie is just kind of meh. Like meh is not. I don't take that point. I don't think I just, trying to be divisive is an in goal of itself. Like, no, no, it should be. be. Why not? Like at least I, look. I I just read. I disagree. A, I just read a, uh, a a blurb on Rotten Tomatoes as you were saying that that was saying like that it feels like a shrug of a shul- of the shoulders. Matt is kind of right because, like, but but is that what you should be going it's for? It's the, the problem of conclusions, you know. Um, it, when you're wrapping something up, it's so easy for everything to follow the foregone conclusions, and that's exactly what this film does. Are there any genuine just like surprises Game of Thrones, in this? Just yeah. like uh, Endgame. 
A memorable ending swerves. A memorable ending leaves you something to think about. As I said before, I don't think this really has any theme beyond just regurgitating general themes that have been in the original trilogy. Ten years now, people will still be watching The Last Jedi. People won't be watching The Force Awakens or this film nearly as much. I think from now people are watching The Return of the Jedi. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But honestly, the big problem with this series... um, I keep saying the big problem. Like, there's just one. But... It's hard to stick the landing. I think the best third installment we've had was, Glenn will strongly disagree, but I think it was Revenge of the Sith because it was, even though, yeah, that's how the series had to end, it at least felt fresh and different in how dark it went. I'm not saying that this had to have a, a really, really dark ending, but at least try to give us something we don't expect. I wasn't a fan of Revenge of the Sith. They put the whole... Uh, most interesting part of the prequel trilogy, i.e. Darth Vader's ascension and murdering of the younglings into all 20 minutes. So that frustrated me. Um, I'm, I, I, w- it would be fascinating to do a Star Wars ranking of the nine films on reflection. I think we're a little too tired. It's a little too early for that now, given mm. we just saw this film. But we'll reflect on it more. We are excited to hear what you think, what audiences think, what 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 your reactions are is they will soon pour in over the coming days. We'll enter the new year with finally having some social media. So... Uh, you know, you shall we? Let's do that. Ooh. So tell us what you think. Yeah, and our social tags will be ready because yeah. I was I was asked actually. Yeah, the person next to me asked me, "What is what is the hashtag you guys use?" And I was like, "Oh well." Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see about I, that. I think hashtag for Fight Club is out there, but like, if, if if it's not, well, it is. But we'll use that. That's that's it's official now. Yeah. FFC. That can also work. Can also so work. um, you know, we're gonna if you're listening to this now and you're wondering what's next from us. Go online and listen to the podcast. We're going to talk about cats at 11. It was weird. 11 a.m., yes. 11 a.m. will be releasing that as a podcast. Yes, it's going to be... Yes, that'll be our Cats podcast. We can't say anything except it's a film set in London involving cats. We can disclose that. Yeah. Yep. And uh, that'll be... Cats is happening. Cats and Star Wars. What a weekend. Yeah, quite a holiday special. So this has been... Glenn Falkenstein, Chris Evans, and Ratne Roo on Film Fight Club, a very special early edition. Stay tuned for more 2SCR programming. Have a wonderful morning. So, yeah. good morning. Top of the morning to you. <laughs>